Sure, so much happening. And uh, really, it is good to see you. Great to be here. And uh, just, isn't it, it's just so amazing just to stand and worship. I think sometimes we kind of, in the midst of the week and all that happens and the, the challenges that we have and whatever we're going through, sometimes it's just nice to just be in worship and just worship. It's just, it's just phenomenal. And I just love the... I love, that. I love our times together. I trust that you are sucking the marrow out of all of those moments and enjoying Jesus, enjoying the presence of God as we do that. Two big things just before I get into my preach. Well, number one, the building. Just need to keep updating everybody. Realize what happens is that we kind of make announcements and not everybody's here on a Sunday the, that we make the announcements. So we've got to keep announcing what's happening and how things are going. So just... Um, just so everybody's up to date, we're still in negotiation for this building, for this space, and we're wanting to make sure that we keep it for as long as possible because it is such a great building. And, um, and a Sunday venue, it, is, it really is profoundly wonderful, and it's got everything that we need, or just about everything that we need. And so we really are trusting God for, for a, for a long-term ability to stay here. We've started conferencing here so that we have the capacity to stay here because it's going to come at a price. We just need it to be at a decent price, at a fair price. And so that's what we're busy negotiating so that we can, uh, we can keep stay in this building in our, in our, in our kind of our, for our Sunday meetings in particular for the long term. The second part of that is that we need a home. The, the, the crunch for churches is not Sunday meetings. Many churches don't have buildings. They meet on a Sunday somewhere. They rent space. They do something. That's not the problem. The problem is midweek stuff. Is you, you, you kind of don't have a home. You need a home to, to settle into. You need a base to work from. You need offices. You need, you need a place to pray. You need a place to go, drink, gather people to. You need a place to equip people. You need a place to do youth and arrows and, and all the things that we do midweek. We, you need a space for that. And what's happened over the years is as we've started conferencing more to make sure that we do have the ability to keep this in the long term is now you're wrestling for space. So one of the strategies that we've got is you want to buy a base, which is why we put the offer in for that house. We want to buy a midweek space. It's not a Sunday meeting space. Please can I just say that people come and say, yeah, but that's so small, you're never going to fit everybody in on a Sunday. It's not for Sunday meetings. It is for midweek. It's a step out of this space into something new. Whatever God does with this building, you're going to need a base. If we don't get to keep this building, we're going to need a base. If we do get to keep this building, we're going to need a base. So it's kind of getting ourselves onto the space and loosening us up to giving us a vista for what actually God's going to do. Because I'm not even sure that this is going to be the only space we're going to meet in on a Sunday going forward. I don't know. But we, it's, it's kind of that step of faith into, into an office space, into a midweek space. It's quite a unique space that we're looking for. It's got to have office space. It's got to have um, big spaces for groups of people, like for 200 people to meet in. It's got to have parking. It's got to be able to have consent to change to what the use that we want to have it in. It's like a very unique space. We do not want to be a hassle to neighbors. I do not want to be moving from fighting prasa to fighting with a neighbor because we're making a noise or we're parking somewhere. We've got, to, we've got to find a space that is just 
right for us. And I believe God's got that space for us. I'll never forget the story of Outlook Church, uh, Sam Brading's mom and dad. They were looking for a building. And they were meeting all over the place. And they just, they were just, they were calling out to God, God, please wear, please wear, please wear, please wear. And somehow they got notified of a piece of land where they are now, where they, where they built a building, a magnificent building, like a six, seven hundred seater building. And, they are, and what happened was they, they got notified. They, they'd never seen this property before. It was like hidden to them. They, like they'd driven past it, never really. Suddenly they realized that this piece of property was earmarked for worship. It was, it was the, the, the use was for worship. Didn't know. Went into the, the, the council, the municipality, and it was, it was for a tender. They went in, they put their offer in, and they won the tender for that piece of land by like a hundred bucks or something. It was like phenomenal, like very close. And they got the piece of land that they're in now. But it's an amazing thing that for years and years and years that piece of land was there in front of them, but they never saw it. It was like God hid it from them, but at exactly the right time, like it came available and they, that's where they are now. And so I believe God's got that for us. God knows what, what we need and when we need it. And so even this other property with it falling through with the, with the administrative thing and it's still, those guys still haven't got their bond. So who knows what's going to happen. But all I know is this, is that God is in everything, friends. The goodness of God is for us, it's not against us. So all of these things, I, I know this, God is going ahead preparing the way. God knows what we need. And we're not in arrogance saying, oh yeah, we're going to do this and this. We get him before God and say, God, please show us. Please show us. Lord, please show us. Please show us. Please, please give us something. Give us something that we can run at in faith. We're trusting you. And so we're trusting God for that space. And that's what this property fund is for. We, we're trusting God for that, that kind of midweek space that we can, find, we can find home in, that can accommodate our midweek stuff and be a base for us into the future as well as keeping this it's got a whole bunch of stuff has got to land in place is it too hard for God no it's not is it difficult is it like Lord if you don't come through Lord what are we going to do yes it's flipping difficult it's like what are you doing just this is the journey and plan I, can I just say, even the journey of, are oh, we going there and then they take it off the market and then we're going there and then the bank messes it up and then, and then we're going there and, friends, it's like, oh, flip stand, what's happening? Is God with you? No, friends, that's the same journey that you and I work every, walk every day in our personal lives. We, that's the journey. That's the faith journey. That's the faith journey. So you step in with God and you follow Him in faith. And you take steps of faith. You don't give up if the thing doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to be. Because God's still taking you on a step. And I think even this process, it's meant to inform us, help us, that actually this is the faith journey. Don't give up. Don't give up on the goodness of God for you. God is for you, not against you. If he is for you, who can be against you? It's like those texts come into play here. So just to update you, that's kind of where we're at. Please pray that we get a lease for this place that is, that is reasonable and fair. We're going backwards and forwards. 
with numbers and all these sorts of things. But we get this place for the number that our valuer said it should be. Number one. Number two, that we find a midweek space that we can own. It's also a generational thing, friends. It's a generational thing, this. You, you, you create wealth by, hand, by, by generations handing down, handing across wealth, property, and stuff like that. It's, it, it gives the next generation something to hold on to because they're going to have to fight battles. At some point, at some point in the next little while, whether it's in five, whether it's in five months, five years, 10 years, or 20 years, that somebody in this church is going to have to go and do something and build buildings and do something. It's, we've got to start moving towards that so that the next generation can fight their fight, not just the fight, not the fight that we meant to fight. So we want to play our role and set them up. So that's, it's part, it's all of that is in the mix with these, with these things. So it's good for you to understand that. Please do ask questions of any of the elders. Just to, just to, if you don't understand or we've got things, please do ask questions. It's important that we have faith for these things because it becomes, a, it becomes kind of these things. That's why we continue to give. We've got two million rand in the account so far in the short time that we've been collecting. So wouldn't it be nice that whatever comes up, friends, we, you've got to get a bond to kind of pay it off. You've got to, you've got to do a deal like... You need other money's got to come in fully or you need money to. But friends, I don't want a bond. Bond is bondage. I don't want that. And I know I've got a bond at home. I feel it. So we don't want a bond, but let's trust God to pay it off. Again, let's, let's, so we can be free, so that we can get on with what God's called us to do. So part of it is we keep on trusting for God's provision. We keep on sacrificing, contributing, because this is valuable for the call of God on our lives as a church, for, on us and our children's children. It's like this, this thing has got that big generational uh, reality to it. So share these things with you so that we can keep going on the journey. We got it. Are we, are we a little bit clearer, a little bit more of an update? Wouldn't it be amazing by the time we get there, by the, by the time within a few months of owning whatever it is that God's got for us, it's paid for. That's what I've got faith for. I really do. I've got faith for God to not have to take a bond because we've got all the money already. Just saying, Lord, come. We've got to, we've got to trust God for these amazing things. Nate, where are you? Why don't you share your testimony quickly? Where are you? Sent me a message this, this week. Nathan, this is Nathan Jane Reardon. Let's share this. Listen to this. This is amazing. Yeah, so the Sunday Stan shared about um, the building project. Both Jade and I um, had a lot of faith and uh, just in the vision of, of what Glenridge, like the vision that um, the leadership has for the buildings and the prophetic words that have been spoken over Glenridge um, by. Um, Chanel um, and with all the buildings we're going to own so in that meeting I was thinking about how we could kind of sow into to the building fund and um, we had just sold a car um, and we're yet due to get some money out um, so I was think, sitting there thinking and we had all the plans to just save it um, and I was sitting there thinking about you know how we could 
maybe give half, save half, like that would be the wise thing to do. And I was like, yeah, that's actually a good way to go. Um, and we, so we left and my wife and I went for lunch. And um, I said to Jade, I said, babe, what did, um, what did God say to you in, uh, you know, during this service? Like, did you also have faith for like what Stan was sharing and just the, the vision for the buildings? So she, she was like, yeah, I, I did. Um, and she's like, I felt like God gave me a number. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, what is it? Um, and so obviously we both knew that the money was coming in for the car. So she was like, I feel like we should just give it all away. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and there's nothing like your wife humbling you in your small thinking. Um, and, but I, I felt like God was on that. Um, and so I was like, cool. We, like, once it comes in, we'll um, sew it into the building. Um, and which was such a blessing to be able to do um, and just to like kind of invest in, in the vision of it and, and, and do that. And um, so we did that and, and carried on and um, did our thing. And then September is um, like bonus month at work. Um, so we didn't know that was coming, which was amazing, but we didn't quite realize how blessed we would be in that. So in terms of what happened um, in that week, obviously it's quite an uncertain economic climate, so we, we weren't sure what was like, gonna come from it. And um, I got pretty much the big, highest percentage you can get in terms of what my role is. Um, and God just really came through and blessed us and replaced pretty much what we gave threefold um, in, in that um, thing. So, yeah, just some encouragement this morning. Um, if you are thinking, if you're on the edge of your seat about giving, and if you are thinking about it, just encourage you to trust God um, with whatever numbers he's giving you, whether small or big, um, to go for it and just, yeah, invest in that. Wonderful. Brilliant, guys. Amazing, eh? Oh, so encouraged when I heard that this week. Anyway, we move ahead, we move along. Just two minutes, people are coming and asking, hey, Flip, what do we do about Israel? What should we do here? Palestine, this thing and that thing. Friends, whatever I say, people are going to get offended. And it's highly emotive. It's like seriously emotive for the people that believe whatever way it is, you know? So can I just say this? I'm going to simply say these couple of things. Israel is significant to God's plan, but nothing is as central to Jesus as God's plan. Listen to me now. Jesus is what God's on about. Those are two non-Christian nations fighting with each other. They both need Jesus. There are Muslims and Christians on either side of that border that are praying. There are Muslims inside Israel that are saying, Lord, please get these guys away from us that are, that are bombing us. It's like you, this thing is deeply, deeply complex and all the bits and pieces. Israel is significant, but nothing is as central as Jesus to God's plan. We've got to make sure that Jesus is the one that sets the agenda for everything. Everything. Nothing, nothing trumps Christ. Okay, that's the one thing. The second thing, the third, well, second, third thing. As, as Gavin said today, our fight is not flesh and blood. It's powers and principalities. What's going on in that region is powers and principalities. And because of the significance of Israel, there's powers and principalities, friends, that are happening. 
And it's over every region, over every nation, there's powers and principalities. We don't fight flesh and blood. We fight powers and principalities. So our prayer is absolutely significant. In whatever's happening all around the world, all the time, not just Israel and Palestine, everywhere needs our prayer. Everywhere. Powers and principalities. And I love this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The weapon that we have in our hands is prayer, friends. We do not fight with the weapons of this world. And we do not fight the battle that the world fights. It says they have divine power. The weapons that we have have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we find out that those strongholds are arguments and pretensions, ideologies, thinking patterns, ways of thinking, ways of computing that set themselves up against knowing God for who He truly is. And so what we have to do as a church is to pray that somehow the, that God would raise up men and women that would demolish those strongholds in the regions of the world that are having conflict like this. And particularly now, that hotbed. We've got we to we pray for statesmen and stateswomen to stand up. That are stopping people from engaging what God really is and knowing God. Friends, these are, uh, this is basic. I'm not saying much about this. I don't want to say much about this right now. But friends, can I just say, Jesus is central. Jesus is central. We've got to get out there and save as many people as we can. Romans chapter 11 says this. When the full number of Gentiles has come in, Israel, all of Israel will be saved. It seems to say there will be a revival in Israel when the, when, when the world has been evangelized. We've got to get out there. We've got to get out there, friends, and see God do amazing things in and around the whole world, not just in Israel. It's like this just... Uh, Again, there's a whole teaching. There's hours and hours of teaching around this. And I've listened to both sides of the, the, the very pro, very pro Israel is the, is the center of everything plan and the, and the very other side of that replacement theology kind of stuff. So I've just, I've listened to, uh, friends, we just know this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Lord, please, will you put your hand, will you bring your peace, let your government and peace come in that, area, in that region now because people are dying People are dying. And there's evil at work in there. Terrorist organizations at work. And there's people dying. So I'll say that just to... People are asking, what, what, how, what? Pray. Pray for God. Pray that God would raise up. We spent Thursday night praying, saying, God, please, will you, will you intervene? Will you stand up? Will you do this? Will you do that? Will you come in? 
Will you, will you, will you come into the hearts and minds of, of, in the government of Israel? Father, fashion the wisdom of their minds so that they would respond in a, in a, in a way that you would want them to have. Father, will you eradicate evil in that, in that region? Would you eradicate just all these things, Lord God? There's people in Palestine, Christians crying out to Jesus saying, please save me, Lord, as there is on the other side of the, the border. Very, very complex situation. Let's make sure that we're on the side of Jesus in all of this stuff and are praying prayers of love and prayers of God's power to come and his peace to come into that region as we do in all of our, and as we do in our nation, friends. We need it in our nation as well, but particularly there now because of what's going on there. There is significance there, but Jesus is central to everything that we do. Okay, with that said, I'm sure I'm going to get lots of conversations after that, but that's okay. We are in a series of sheepers, 1 Thessalonians. One Thessalonians chapter four. We're talking about pleasing God. One Thessalonians chapter one, verse chapter four, verse one, talks about we instructed you how to live in order to please God. And in fact, you're doing this, but we ask you to do this more and more. So you're pleasing God, but we want you to please God more and more. If there's one thing we need to do more and more, and that's please God. If you, there's no question. If you want, you want more of something, you want to please God more and more. That's what we want to do. That's our whole aim. That's our whole, our whole point of what we're trying to do. For you know what instructions you gave, what instructions we gave you by the authority of Jesus. And then I, I spoke about sexual purity, and, and he spoke, speaks about sexual purity. And then we jumped to nine, verse 9 and 10, which is what I wanted to do today. And he says this, now about your love for one another, we do, not need you to, we do not need to write to you. Listen to this. About your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For, your, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. That's interesting. I don't even need to write to you about this because you've been taught by God to do this. And in fact... You do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. So I want you to please God more and more. One of the ways we please God more and more is to love one another more and more. And you've got to just keep loving. There's always more to love. There's always more people to love. We've got to love God more. We've got to love people more. And um, God's taught you to do this. I love, I love just that kind of little intro. Let me just say one or two things there. You see, the, the effect of the gospel when it was preached was to produce love in their hearts. Because it says in 1, Corinthians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, it says that your, the work was produced by faith. We remember that God worked in you because there was faith in your hearts and there was work produced by faith and there was labor prompted by love so you there was this labor of love in you it's kind of like it wasn't there before the gospel gets preached Jesus comes into play and suddenly there's this deposit in your heart you're doing things that you never used to do before by faith because of your faith in Jesus 
and you're managing to push through and love difficult things, loving difficult people, loving in difficult circumstances because of Jesus. There's this love that got stirred up in you, and you have an endurance inspired by hope. You see, this one thing of love is the characteristic of God that cannot be counterfeited. It may be able to be counterfeited for a certain small amount of time, but certainly not over any length of time. And so, love is this unique signature of God that when the gospel gets preached, somehow love, God's love for people touches their heart, which produces a love for others. And we see that right through the text. And this love is not, is not this kind of gushy feeling love. I keep saying this, and I've said this a million times, and I wish it was my definition. It's not. It's Dallas Willard's. The best definition of love I know is this. Living for the best of others. So when, when he says, when, to say I love you means that I live for your best. It's not I have a good feeling about you for the moment. But if you do something wrong, then I changes my feeling. No, no, I always live for your best. That's what love is. When God says, I love you, he always acts and lives out for our best. And when we say, God, I love you, we always live for God's best. We always represent him well. We live for his best. Lord, what can I do for you? What pleases you? Unless you obey me, you do not love me. Oh, but Lord, okay, what, what can I do to... You see, it's, you live for the best of another. And what Paul's saying here is that actually this was put into you, and I don't even need to say, talk to you about this because God has taught you. That is a fascinating thing. I mean, I think that is a reality in, in many of our lives, is when we find Jesus, there is a love for others. And God teaches us. It might not all come at once, but God teaches us to love different kinds of people. Whereas before we only loved this kind of group of people, now we love all people. It's part of the reality of the gospel working in our lives. And we see that right through the scriptures, in fact. In fact, John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the distinguishing mark of the discipleship community is their love for one another. I've heard that before. And then God taught them that. John chapter 6 verse 43 says this, Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God, everyone who has heard the Father and learned from Him, comes to me. So he's saying, stop, stop arguing. Stop arguing about who comes to me and who can't come to me and, and how does it happen. Please understand this, you guys. Listen, this is how it works. In the prophets it's written, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and, le and learned from Him comes to me. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God in people's lives. Stop trying to make people do stuff. Make people do this. Make people choose me. Let God do it. God's going to teach them. And that, 
taught by the prophets comes from Isaiah 54, verse 13, where he talks, all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. So there's this idea that when the new covenant comes, and it's echoed again in Jeremiah chapter 31, this is what it says, we'll read it now, that God will teach you. Have you ever thought you're being taught by God? Whatever, and God will use everything to teach us. He teach, he'll use all of our lives to teach us. That's why I loved what Josh said this morning. When we face difficult times, don't think God's not all of a sudden against you. No, no, he's with you. He's just teaching you. We're learning. We're on the process. Building falls through. Oh, Lord, where are you? No, no, I'm teaching you. Teaching. Let's go. Let's keep moving. I'm teaching you about all sorts of things, but he wants, he's, he's teaching them about love. In Jeremiah 31, verse 33, he says this, This is the covenant I'll make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will teach them. I will put this in their hearts. So God raises up gifts in the church to teach us, but the Holy Spirit is our great teacher who's teaching us. Don't miss the teaching of the Holy Spirit, friends. Don't miss the teaching of God in your life. God is teaching us to love each other more and more. Do you know that human beings are 99.9% genetically exactly the same? Is there, can I, can I, can a black Zulu man please stand up? Anyone? Black Zulu man, just where you are. There we go. We've got a couple of them there. Keep standing, keep standing. Can a, a white Afrikaans lady stand up? White Afrikaans lady. There we go. Keep standing. What about, um, I'm trying to, trying to get some contrast here. Okay, let's just stop there. There we go. Sandy Finfuren. Karina. The difference between these ladies and those men, 0.1%, genetically. 0.1%. In their genetic makeup, the difference that made somebody a male or a female, made them a different skin color, gave them all their different characteristics, made their hair fall differently, made their features different, 0.1%. But boy, can we make a lot about that 1.1%. <laughs> Thanks, guys, you can sit, be seated, thank you. And we split and we divide on the 0.1%. You're in the fit club, you're in the fat club. We'll find anything. Rich, poor. Super gifted, not so gifted. And, we only, and then we only want to hang with those O's, those guys. But we're all 0.1%. That's all it is. We've got to learn to love each other more and more. 
We've only got to learn to love the 0.1% of each other. Nobody in the body can say, you don't need me. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 says. And nobody in the body can say, I don't need you. Nobody, nobody in the body, it says, can say, I don't need you. And nobody in the body says, you don't need me. So you need me, and I need you. That's what it says. We learn to love each other. More and more. God, through His church, through the blood of Jesus, is teaching His church in South Africa to love each other more and more. It feels like government is pulling us apart more and more. It feels like there's a political climate. Let me not say government. Let me say there's a political climate that's dividing us, trying to divide us more and more. Powers and principalities, not flesh and blood. So what's got to happen is the Spirit of God has got to teach us to love each other more and more. But what phenomenally is, and I could go on a whole thing about love, which I'm not going to because I want to get to this and it's already over time. What fascinates me about this text this, is, is this little part here where it says in verse 10 or 10a it says in fact you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. I've got a little map here just you put one of those maps up I don't know which one will work better. Use that one. You can take the writing away. It would be good. So 19, number 19 is Thessalonica. That's the, the route that I showed us in the very beginning. See on the left-hand side it says Macedonia. So Macedonia is like a province. It's a big space. Macedonia is not like a little city. Thessalonica is like the city. It's like KZN and Durban. And it, and it seems like Macedonia is actually bigger than KZN. It's a big regional space. And he says here, he says, God's teaching you to love one another. And you love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Friends, there's no WhatsApp. There's no downloading sermons. There's no transferring of this thing and that thing. How did this church love all Macedonia? How did it, how? Because you'd see a church is called to love not only each other, but the region in which they are situated in. Have you thought of that? Glenridge Church is called to love KZN, not just city of Durban. Glenridge Church is called to love South Africa. How does South Africa, how does KZN, how do we, how do we, how do they know our love? How do they feel our love? How do they experience our love? I started thinking, Lord, how? How do we express our love to the city? How do we express our love beyond, because we can, well, you see, for ourselves, we can invite somebody for a meal and we can, I don't know, we can journey with each other, we can pray for each other, we can stand with each other, and we can express our love for each other. 
But how do you do that for a region like Macedonia? I don't know how they did it. But I thought, Lord, for us, let me just quickly give you the list of how I think we can love our region. How did they show love for a whole region? Well, number one, which I think they probably did, is they prayed not just for themselves and not just for their city, but for their region. You see, the way we love KZN is we pray. We've got to have faith to pray. On Thursday night, we pray. Some of those meet, some of those Thursday night prayer meetings are for us and our strengthening, but at least half of them are beyond us for others. We do united prayer. Thursday night is united prayer. Now listen, united prayer is not my first cup of tea. I don't lead that. It's not like, it doesn't happen the way I would prefer it to happen. And as a leader, you think, and I'm trying to help shape it a little bit, but as part of the way we love our city is to facilitate prayer for our city. That's the way we're loving our city. It's one of the ways we're loving Durban and our region. Another way they did it is hospitality. How do you love a region? How do you love a city? How do you love something beyond your local church and beyond you? Hospitality. Host people. When we get people from outside of our region, open your home, friends. Somehow these guys obviously had open homes. That when somebody came from the far-flung reaches of Macedonia, they had a place to stay. I think one of the markers of the health of a church is its ability to open up home, our homes to strangers. Hospitality. How do we love our region and do it more and more? Open our homes. Get a room ready that we can open our homes to others. And if you haven't got a room, move out of your room and make your room available. One of the ways that we love our region and love our city and love our thing is our partnership with NCMI. Through all our relationships, whenever we travel, whenever we're not here, we're in those churches encouraging, strengthening, helping. It's part of our loving of actually trying to make sure that that church is as strong as it can be and trying to release and trying to help and play our part. We travel, we're hosting, we host equips like we just had. It's part of loving the city. Different parts of the city coming. All the way from Port Shepston, all the way from Port Shepston, all the way up to Richards Bay, all the way up to Cater Ridge. Churches coming and being together and hosting it and doing it well and people feeling loved, equipped and released. I think it's a way that we can we do those things so that we can love a region. Our friendships in the city. Not just the partners that we partner with, our partnering churches, but friendships in the city. Our 40th, we invited friends in the city. We love our region by being friends with those and helping those, supporting them. 
What about our PBOs and our ministries? Our, I don't know what to call them. Our ventures. Atembaletu, We Friends Preschool. Through both Atembaletu, our, 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 where we adopt babies, ba- abandoned babies, and minister into Cato Manor. It's the way we love our city. Through We Friends, as we educate and put foundations into the lives of preschoolers, we're loving our city. What about planting churches, seeing people saved, cross borders, across everywhere, just loving our city, seeing God move in a place beyond us? What about the use of our building? This is why I believe God wants us to stay in this building, because this building blesses the city. Think of COVID. We had three churches meeting here because they couldn't meet in their buildings. Open the building up. Guys, what do you need? How can we serve you? Blessing our city. Blessing the churches. Blessing the people. Use of our resources. Ways of blessing. Ways of moving. I think these are the ways that they got to express their love for the family, for the whole family of God in Macedonia. I think these are some of the ways that we can do it or we have been doing it and continue to do it here in Durban and in Glenridge. But I think God's clarion cry to us is this. Do it more and more. More and more. Don't stop. Don't stop trying to please me. Don't stop. Just do it more and more and more and more. It's interesting, eh? We please God by loving each other and loving the family of believers in the region that we're in and blessing them, just like the Macedonian church. If we want to be this irresistible church, this is the kind of church we need to be. Let's stand as we, as we finish this morning. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing, Lord God, with us, through us, all our ventures, and everything. We just trust you, Lord God. We are we're in your hands. We are want to move step by step in line with you and step with you, Jesus. Help us with this way of pleasing you, Lord God. Fill our hearts with love, Lord. Fill our hearts with your love. This is love that you first loved us, Lord. I pray somehow this morning, Lord God, you'd fill our hearts with love. Even now as we stand here, Lord God, you'd fill our hearts with love, with your love, Lord. That our hearts would overflow with your love for those around us, Lord God. To our friends, our families, but beyond that, to the family of believers around the region, in the city, Lord God. Somehow, Lord God, make our love bigger. Make our perspective bigger. That all of Macedonia, that all of Durban, that all of KZN, that all of South Africa, somehow we can express our love as this port city that fell in love with Jesus. This port city church that fell in love with Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your love. Pour out your love over our hearts, Lord God. 
shed abroad your love into our hearts, Lord God. Let us know that we are loved by you. How can we love others if we do not know we are not loved by you, Lord? This week, as we go, Lord God, let people, I pray people walk into, into waterfalls of your love, Lord. Would fall into rivers of your love, Lord. And they would overflow that love into everybody they come into contact with. In your amazing name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.